This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. It seems like good news, but is it just a tease? We learned last weekend the governing PCs at Queen's Park are adding people 80 and over living in the community to the priority list for COVID-19 vaccinations, with the first week of March as a potential goal to begin giving shots. But despite the fact that all kinds of healthcare experts are urging the provincial government to make age the determining factor, since 96% of COVID-related deaths are older people, there are many other groups of people also on the priority list. These include people referred to as living in racialized communities, staff in retirement homes, all indigenous adults, and professionals such as chiropractors and massage therapists. On Family Day Monday, Libby Snymer spoke with our Zoomer squad about the provincial COVID vaccine rollout, Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and David Kravitz, Chief Marketing Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media. How confident are they uh, in the supply um, of all the uh, vaccines that are arriving in the country? How many of them are earmarked for Ontario um, and how carefully, how closely do they have to manage uh, a supply that still might be flaky? And is that responsible for some of these triaging decisions they're making? Of course, if they don't come next week, it's going to be somebody else's fault, Bill, right? Uh, yeah, it will be. The, the government is back and forth on this. Back in December, uh, beginning, very beginning of December, uh, the, we all talked about the fact that the province had promised that it would follow the NASI guidelines, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, and we were quite pleased uh, with that. Since then, they've, they've veered off those guidelines. Every time we've turned around, they're ignoring the recommendations of the health experts and going into other areas. It was very clear right at the uh, beginning that uh, the recommendation was those people most at risk of dying would get they would get them first, and now we see that they've gone gone past that. Uh, the, the other provinces are going over seventy; they're going over sixty, and uh, here in Ontario, uh, we're putting all kinds of people ahead of our most at risk citizens. And, you know, I don't know, David, it seems like it. there's a, a, a free-for-all type of lobbying because now I'm hearing, what about TTC drivers? We've got chiropractors. And not that these people are not, I mean, they are putting themselves at risk in their daily jobs. There's no question about that. But uh, again, uh, you know, it is the older people that is most at risk of dying. Is it, you know, what do you think is going on here? It's a function of the looseness of the strategy and the moving of the goalposts from the get-go, right from the beginning. Is your strategy to minimize fatalities, or is it to 
uh, you know, immunize wide swaths of the population against infection. Obviously, it's desirable. Obviously, a 45-year-old TTC driver getting a two, two vaccines who then becomes immune is a highly desirable outcome. But if your supply is, is very constrained as it is right now, and if we know that 96% of the actual fatalities have been among those that are 60-plus, um, and if you're trying to save lives, then you should be going where the people are at the greatest risk of dying from coronavirus, not simply, um, you know, becoming infected with coronavirus, as desirable that is, that is. So they don't really have a laser focus on saving lives here. That's the, that's the sad part of this. No, and, they, they, and they could have if they followed the NASI guidelines. It's not that the other essential workers aren't in that list. They very, very clearly said uh, people who are over 70, healthcare workers who work directly with them, adults in Indigenous communities, they were in the first uh, group, along with, of course, the resident staff in, in long-term care facilities. But immediately after that, they talked about healthcare workers not included in the initial rollout, uh, residents and staff of other uh, places like correctional facilities and homeless shelters, and other essential workers. So they're in the queue. It's a matter of who's the most, as David said, likely to die, and who should we get to first? Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, and David Kravitz, Chief Marketing Officer at CARP and Vice President at Zoomer Media. This is the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Fight Back continued to push for more communication on what the mass vaccination rollout will look like and where older Ontario residents will fall in the lineup and why older people should get the vaccine first. As of now, neither people 80 plus nor their doctors know how they will access their shots. Family physician and regular Fight Back contributor, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, joined us with her take on the vaccination process. Let's look at who's dying. Over 80% has been those in long-term care. And basically, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, or NASI, basically did just that. They looked at and asked a few questions. They asked, who is dying of the disease? Who is being hospitalized from the disease? And who among us is most likely to spread the disease? And that's why stage one involved, you know, staff and residents of long-term care homes and adults at that time, 70 and older, frontline health care workers who are in direct, close, physical contact with patients and, of course, adults in indigenous communities. But now as we enter stage two, they're really emphasizing those seniors over 80. And, of course, adults from racial, racialized communities who have been disproportionately affected. So we need to define that. Who are those racialized individuals? Those who, who are black, those who come from South Asian communities, those who are low-income. In fact, if you consider low-income, nearly half of all cases live in low-income Okay, but Iris, um, according to, it's a very big list of priorities, and it includes all kinds of essential workers. I mean, I mean, I, I'm an essential worker sitting here. Yeah, but behind many layers of plexiglass. <laughs> exactly. So although you're an essential worker, you know, if it weren't for the longer term health conditions, 
you would actually be in the probably in a somewhat later stage, but you you have other things that justify putting you into the second stage. But you're right. I mean, a lot of, you know, the marginalized, it's a super long list. They want to, you know, the second stage is supposed to encompass people, residents of staff and shelters and correctional facilities and group homes, the homeless, migrant workers, first responders, police, firefighters. You know, but it's interesting. Healthcare workers are actually a somewhat less of a focus. They want to get those primary caregivers to those who are at high risk. You know, for all of our sighs and worries about, you know, who's on the list and how we're going to prioritize, the problem is we, we don't have the supply. You know, so we've approved two vaccines. We've got the Pfizer vaccine. And remember, that requires all that special storage. So that means family doctors like me can't easily give it. And same with the pharmacies. Like, how are we going to give out something that has to be kept at minus 70 degrees? And that's the majority of the vaccines we hope to start getting now. Now, that could change if we approve J&J. That's still not approved. And AstraZeneca, which is also not approved. But we've, we've got our struggles ahead of us, for sure. But the problem right now has been one of, when are we getting the shots in? When are we finally going to receive them? Have you been getting, uh, we here have been getting lots of calls from people saying, okay, uh, uh, how will I know when it's my turn? Are your patients turning to you to try to figure that out? You know what? They are. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a shared mutual exercise and helplessness right now. They're begging me to put them on a list, and the list is, I'm not even sure when I'll have the vaccine in my own office. What we know is the second stage of the vaccines do not really involve family doctors just yet. They, what, what they're doing is planning to give it out, and hospitals, some 20 hospitals across Ontario are going to be administering these vaccines. They're having on-site clinics for northern and remote First Nation communities and on-reserve indigenous residents, on-site clinics for adult chronic home care recipients, and then and it's mobile sites, which I'm excited about, but even that is very limited. It's limited to, con- you know, living facilities in which lots of people are congregating, older people, and urban indigenous communities. So Ontario is now working on, and this is exciting, Ontario is now developing a web portal for booking vaccine appointments. But how long will that take? We don't know. That was family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, what the coordinators of the provincial outbreak response and the Toronto response are saying about the vaccine rollout. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Tens of thousands of older adults are welcoming the news that people 80 and over have been added to the priority list for the first phase of COVID-19 vaccinations in Ontario. At the same time, there is a lot of criticism about what is turning into a very long list since it's become clear that prioritizing by age has worked well in the countries with the best rollouts and the best way to prevent death and serious illness related to COVID-19. On Tuesday, Libby welcomed Dr. Dirk Heyer to the show. He is Ontario's chief coroner, 
coordinator of the provincial outbreak response and sits on the vaccine distribution panel. There's no question about that, that age is recognized as a key risk factor, especially those over age 60, key risk factor for severe illness and mortality. And in our first prioritization um, planning, we did focus on seniors who were in congregate living settings, because we know that age is by far a significant factor, but also um, it's important to recognize how people can get the, vac- the virus. And, uh, and unfortunately, what we've seen, the tragedy over the COVID period of time, those in long-term care and retirement homes and other congregate settings, there's a greater risk of transmission. So we focused on that group first. We also focused on health care workers, because we know that there is a significant risk of exposure uh, to their patients if the healthcare worker happens to be unwell, but also to the healthcare worker. And uh, important to ensure that we have the health capacity to uh, respond to those who have illness. And then finally, uh, the other two areas, one being adults with chronic home, uh, home care, uh, many of them being in the older population and also Indigenous, given the significant risk. So what we recognized after the uh, initial part of the first phase is we recognized that uh, the, those who were independently living and uh, yet over 80 were uh, at continued risk. And we, had, we heard feedback from a number of others that in the healthcare worker uh, priority group, there were a number that were not patient-facing and a number that weren't uh, at uh, an older age. So we moved the over 80 back or more forward where we are now uh, to uh, appropriately respond to that increased risk. Can you tell us any more about how people will uh, know it's their turn? Uh, The planning is ongoing right now to be able to uh, provide the best opportunity for people to know and the mechanisms of how we will deliver, uh, working together with the public health units and the ministry to figure out the, the best way possible to deliver, to notify, so uh, robust communications, um, also uh, delivery mechanisms that will uh, be able to reach those who are um, ready and willing to have vaccination. And I have to tell you, that's one of the um, challenging but great parts of this is that people want the vaccine. And, uh, and that makes our job that much harder because everybody wants it now. And that's a good thing. And we, we certainly want to give it as quickly as we can. And really, as we get more supply... All of this is going to be a lot easier and a lot more clear uh, because we'll have lots of vaccine and lots of ways to deliver it. What do you say to people, as, as I said, people, especially in that over 80 age brackets, are at home, they're anxious. Uh, what's your advice to them? Well, I think it's advice that I give to a lot of people. This is tough times and, uh, and, and, I, and I don't have an easy answer. I recognize the challenges that people face, recognize the importance of, of uh, doing their best to uh, protect from any signs of infection. And, and I, I send a strong message of, of um, support, recognition, and, uh, and, and really, truly um, acknowledgement of how challenging that is and that we are trying to get the vaccine as quickly as possible in the most efficient, effective, and equitable way to everybody so that they can Uh, hopefully achieve the best protection and therefore move from this challenging time that we're in into uh, a a more uh, normal, whatever the new normal will be, a more normal time. 
uh, with vaccination. Dr. Dirk Heyer, Ontario's chief coroner, coordinator of the provincial outbreak response and member of the vaccine distribution panel. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We on Fight Back are on a mission to get you the answers as to when you will get your COVID-19 vaccine, how you will get your COVID-19 vaccine, and where you will get your COVID-19 vaccine. You heard there from Dr. Dirk Heyer that the individual public health units across the province will be responsible for rolling out the vaccines once mass vaccinations begin. So on Wednesday, when I was filling in for Libby, we went to the head of Toronto's pandemic response, Fire Chief Matthew Pegg, to find out more about the logistics around delivering vaccines to people in the community. My responsibility as the uh, the head of uh, the City of Toronto's Immunization Task Force is a couple of things. It is to, uh, first and foremost, to uh, assemble a network of city-operated immunization clinics that we, we will be able to stand up and operate in conjunction with and in support of uh, a much more significant number of clinics and immunization or vaccine operations that will happen at the hands of our uh, hospital partners and community partners and ultimately fam- uh, primary care physicians and pharmacists and the like across the city. So we, we are in fact standing those up. They're being, uh, they're being built. Metro Convention Centre, as we saw uh, actually just operated for the, the past two days for second dose. Uh, it, of course, has been shut down again. So we, we are well in hand. Uh, our commitment and my commitment to, um, to the city is that we will have our, uh, our network of immunization clinics ready to go as very soon as vaccine can be made available to us from the province. What should we do, uh, especially those who are 80 plus? Uh, sh- are we waiting for um, a campaign, a public service campaign to let people know what to do? Is that is that just be tuned in? What should they do? That is that is it. Great question again, Jane. That is exactly. Uh, yes, please, please stay tuned and have every confidence that our team, our strategic communications team is 100 percent connected to this as very soon as we have. Uh, clarity and confirmation and information to share. We will do that uh, across the full spectrum of uh, a communication means, be that uh, here on radio and television and print and online. Uh, for those that are online, the most accurate and up-to-date information in Toronto is toronto.ca slash COVID-19. Uh, we will make sure that, that the information there is always current. But yes, as information becomes available and as soon as we have answers to those questions we will make it uh, we'll make it readily available to everyone. We'll go now to Dr. Ahmed Arya. He is a palliative care physician and board member of the Canadian Palliative Care Physicians and the Ontario Health Coalitions. How important is it to get older people in the community vaccinated as quickly as possible? It's really important that they are prioritized at this point during the during the rollout. I mean, we know that age is one of the biggest factors that leads to death from COVID-19. 96% of people that have uh, have died from COVID-19 are people over 65. And this group by far leads the number of hospitalizations, needs, leads the number of, um, uh, of uh, ICU admissions, and definitely, as I mentioned, leads deaths from COVID-19. I would ask you, if you could, uh, to offer some sort of reassurance. Uh, you, you know, we do have listeners who are 90. All they have is their radio with them. They don't have any family members. They're wondering, how in the world am I going to get the COVID vaccine? What would be your best reassurance advice to that individual? 
Well, I mean, it's sad to say, even I don't have that information at this point in time. And I really, and I'm just being honest, I have to be honest, since you're asking me that question. Um, I do uh, hope that our uh, province's vaccine task force and, uh, you know, the rollout will be equitable, will prioritize vulnerable seniors in the community and engage with family physicians. So I would encourage anyone who's listening to uh, be in touch with their healthcare provider and um, hopefully there'll be uh, information very soon. We all deserve to know uh, where we'll be at uh, in terms of the prioritization and in terms of the rollout. And as I mentioned, it's important that this uh, this rollout is equitable. Uh, anyone who doesn't speak English and French will still be able to access the system. And we have a phone booking system, not just online. And we make sure that we can transport people to the vaccination clinic or bring the vaccine to them if they can't make it. So at the very least, call your pharmacist, call your doctor, and at least have your name and phone number on some sort of list. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that would be a good idea. And I hope that the province, once again, then also provides this information very quickly and uh, tells us the plan um, so we can tell our patients. Dr. Ahmed Arya is a palliative care physician and board member of Canadian Palliative Care Physicians and the Ontario Health Coalition. Before him, I was joined by Toronto Fire Chief Matthew Pegg, who is the head of Toronto's pandemic response. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zuma Radio's Best of Fight Back. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the past week. Deborah in Georgina phoned to tell us how frustrated she is with Canada's and Ontario's COVID-19 vaccine rollout. I have lost a year out of my life like everybody else. I'm turning 71 in May. If I'm not going to get vaccinated until the end of September, that takes me to a year and a half and everybody else. Personally, I find this whole situation despicable, and I'm even more frustrated I have my family and my grandchildren in Israel, and I know everything that's going on there, okay? They have vaccination stations there where they're providing food as encouragement to try to get people to come out for the anti-vaxxers. They've got stations now where you can drive through in your car, get tested, And in 24 hours, they're going to get back to you and tell you if you tested positive or negative. I don't care if it's winter. If somebody organized a rally down in Queens Park, and I don't even live in Toronto anymore, I would drive in and I would go there because Trudeau is pulling the eyes over all of us. Suzanne is an Ontario snowbird who lives half the year in Mexico and called to say that's where she got her COVID vaccine. I am in a small town in between Cancun and Playa del Carmen called uh, Puerto Morelos in the community. I'm not in a next, I'm just in a little house in, in a Mexican community. Uh-huh. And uh, did they ask if you were a resident or what did they I ask? am a temporary resident. So well, you had yeah, to be a temporary resident uh, to qualify. 
Um, yeah, and over 60. Okay, over 60. That's 60, young. and they, they're telling us that by end of February or March, everybody over 60 will be done here. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know if they'll, they'll, they'll get there, but that's what they're telling us. Dennis in Brampton called with his view on how lockdown should be conducted in the best interest of public safety and the economy. There is now experience that um, in terms of the effect on, on the economy, that a hard lockdown is better for the economy than the uh, stop and start or no lockdown at all. And I think what we've done is we've been playing at the edges with the lockdowns and not giving it enough time, nor uh, being as restrictive as other jurisdictions, which have already been discussed on the show, have. And so if, if, if it's about the economy, the lockdown is more effective. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Rudy in Toronto who phoned about the information he learned on Fightback about the process for the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. This was the first time that I heard a, a detailed, a consistent uh, explanation of how the vaccine is going to be rolled out and, uh, and who's going to be getting it. Uh, I uh, haven't heard anything except uh, uh, confusion from the governments before that. So, on, so that uh, sort of uh, gave me a bit of confidence, and I, I just hope that our, our government can uh, stand behind uh, uh, the the uh, plans that he he uh, told us about, and and get, get the vaccine to uh, to us. Uh, um, I'm yes. uh, 74, so I'm I'm waiting anxiously. That does it for today's best of fight back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the fight back knockout call of the week, phone us noon to one weekdays, or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby and call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fightback. The best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi. With technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.